Welcome to Rainier View. My name is Jeff. I'm part of the teaching team here, and we are excited to continue in our series, Fight for It. We're in this series because we want you to be able to have access to some simple principles that we see in the Bible uh, that can help you have the best relationship possible as parents and children this year, regardless of what age and stage of life, whether you've got littles at home, whether you're navigating your relationship as an adult child to your parent, everything in between. These principles, as you learn to live them out, will help you experience healthier, closer relationships uh, if you commit to using them. And so that's why we're in this series, and this is what we want for you. And so last week, we opened by looking at this principle uh, that kind of really is the spine for the whole series, but the reality that you never outgrow the need to honor your parents. There comes an age and a day where you no longer have to agree you don't necessarily have to obey, but you never outgrow the need to honor your parents. And then secondly, uh, that our children never outgrow the need for our encouragement. Uh, as parents, we never get too old where our kids don't need our encouragement. And so that kind of gave us the foundation. Uh, but something interesting happens with, with conflict. I think that we naively believe that just somehow we intuitively will know how to handle conflict or just it'll magically go away and there won't be any negative consequences. And the reality is that it's just simply false. We do not come born with the ability to navigate conflict well. And furthermore, many of us were never taught or modeled a great way how to handle it. And so sometimes conflict happens as parents and children, again, in different ages and stages, but we don't know what to do with it, and it just sits and it lingers and it, and it chips away at the relationship that we can have. And so um, we want to help you be able to know what to do when you experience conflict. What do you do? How do you reestablish and return to a healthier relationship. And that's why I've got this boot here right now. Maybe you've had an injury before where you've got a fracture or uh, a strain or torn tendon or some, side of, some sort of hurt muscle, right? But this walking boot, what it allows you to do is it allows you to go about your everyday normal life uh, and walking around, but it provides stability, structure. It allows that injury to heal uh, while you are going about living your life albeit a little wonky on one foot. But uh, here's the thing. The principle we're going to look at today uh, in Fight For It is kind of like being able to put something around your relationship, knowing what to do when there is an injury, when there is a hurt there, so that you can, as you live your life, as you try and navigate being close with one another, that you have some structure to allow your relationship to heal up and be strengthened uh, again. And so it's never too late, by the way, because so often I feel like with so many people that I've met uh, being a pastor for a couple decades now, they feel like they reach this point where it's too late to fix something in their relationship. It's too late to have a level of closeness as parents and children, that somehow they missed the bus on that or too many things happened. And what I want you to know clearly is that it is never too late to reestablish that relationship. And we're going to look at how to do that because you may have had something from your past that was a really big hurt, a really big incident that happened, and you don't know how to move forward and get past it. Maybe for others of us, it's just small, slight things that kind of have crept a little bit of distance, a little bit of distance, a little bit of distance. And what you want to know now is how to inch your way back, how to move back towards a closer relationship that you once have had that you don't have any more right now. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, you might be in a situation where you're like, you know what, my relationship with my parents or my children is going pretty well right now, okay? And if that's you, that's great. 
But take good notes for two reasons. One, at some point you will probably need this metaphorical boot, so to speak, right? You will need the tools that we're talking about here to reestablish relationship when things aren't going so well. And secondly, you likely know somebody who's struggling with a, with a relationship with their child or struggling with a relationship with a parent. And so you can be equipped to point people to some great starting places, some great uh, resources to help them navigate that relationship and experience a better uh, relationship. And so let's jump right in. We're going to pick up at, as we go through this series, we're going to begin by looking each week at the relationship of King David and, and his son Absalom out of the Old Testament. And so we're going to be in 2 Samuel 14. We're going to get there in a moment. Uh, before we jump then, as we look at their relationship, then we'll look at a, a principle out of the New Testament to guide our relationships as parents and children. Uh, and we're looking at the, the example of David and Absalom, not because they are a James Dobson certified Christian exemplar family award winning father and son duo. Far, far from it. The story of David and Absalom is actually one of tragedy. It ends tragically, horribly. And the reason that we're looking at it is because so many of us have difficulty in our, in our parent-child relationships. Right? We don't know what to do. But what I want you to know and why we're looking at their example is that your story doesn't have to end the way David and Absalom's story does. It doesn't have to end in tragedy. Uh, and so we can learn to bridge the distance in a way that David and Absalom never do. And furthermore, as we get down the road uh, here, uh, after looking at their example, we have the example of Jesus, who shows us a never-ending, always chasing after us, always pursuing us kind of love. And we have that example to follow and emulate in our lives. And so let's jump in and we're going to start looking at David and Absalom's story and their example. Now, if you missed last week, please go back, catch week one of Fight For It, because it's going to give you the context of their relationship. It's going to give you the backstory to the pain and the hurt that is going on for them. But we're going to pick up 2 Samuel 14, beginning in verse 27. We read there, three sons and a daughter were born to Absalom. His daughter's name was Tamar, and she became a beautiful woman. Absalom lived two years in Jerusalem without seeing the king's face, the king being his father David. Then Absalom sent for Joab in order to send him to the king, but Joab refused to come to him. So he sent a second time, but he, Joab, refused to come. And so before we go any further, quick kind of recap, the, the issue that's going on between David and Absalom is Absalom's half-brother Amnon raped his sister Tamar. And King David, while upset about the situation, does nothing about it. Absalom takes it into his own hands, has Amnon murdered, flees, uh, and subsequently, years later, was brought back. But he has not seen his father David since all of this has gone down. Okay? Uh, and so this highlights this little detail, if you notice it there. Absalom naming his daughter Tamar. This foundational fracture in their relationship, we can tell, has never been healed. That pain is still so much on the surface. We see it being played out even generationally here. And so there needed to be a surgery-level repair between the, the relationship between David and Absalom, but that just simply hasn't taken place. There's this vast distance. They never figured out how to have a tool to put around their relationship, a resource, a structure, a way to be brought back together. And so there's still pain, there's still hurt, there's still dis-ease in the relationship with one another. 
And when you experience a broken relationship as parents and children, there's collateral damage, usually in the form of other relationships are affected by the dis-ease that has crept into our relationships as parents and children. But in this story, there's actually physical collateral damage uh, that Absalom causes, and we're going to bring that up as we see what he does to Joab, one of King David's trustest most trusted advisors here. And we pick back up in 2 Samuel 14, verse 30. We see, Then he said to his servants, Look, Joab's field is next to mine, and he has barley there. Go and set it on fire. So Absalom's servants set the field on fire. Then Joab did go to Absalom's house, and he said to him, Why have your servants set my field on fire? Absalom said to Joab, Look, I sent word to you and said, Come here so I can send you to the king to ask, why have I come from Gesher? It would have been better for me if I was still there. Now then, I want to see the king's face, and if I'm guilty of anything, let me be put to death. So Joab went to the king and told him this. Then the king summoned Absalom. He came in and bowed down with his face to the ground before the king, and the king kissed Absalom. Now it seems like Joab is throwing, or not Joab, it seems like Absalom is throwing an adult-level temper tantrum here, like burning down another dude's field, like not cool, not cool at all. Now, to be fair to Absalom, right, uh, it had been years since he had seen his father David. He had been brought back from exile, and yet there was no reestablishment of relationship, right? The conflict still remained. It still lingered. There was no hope of reestablishing anything for Absalom. And so we might not agree with his actions, uh, but he's trying to get his father's attention here. And it speaks to this reality that even, even if they're back in the room together, right, they could still be light years apart. Maybe you've experienced this in a relationship where you're in the same space, but there is so much distance between you and a child or a parent. And this is the reality for David and Absalom, the result of, of this growing distance. Uh, what do we see the outworking of this being? We see that if we don't get the encouragement and relationship from a parent, we will seek that attention and affirmation from other people, right? We will take action to be noticed by others if we don't receive that attention and affection from our parents. And we see this pattern playing out in Absalom's life, and we see this unfortunately playing out in so many other people's lives, maybe your own uh, as well, that we seek the affection and attention of others because of the distance between us and a parent. Let's see how the story continues for David and Absalom, picking back up in the passage, top of chapter 15. In the course of time, Absalom provided himself with a chariot and horses and with 50 men to run ahead of him. He would get up early and stand by the side of the road leading to the city gate. Whenever anyone came with a complaint to be placed before the king for a decision, Absalom would call out to him, What town are you from? He would answer, Your servant is from one of the tribes of Israel. Then Absalom would say to him, Look, your claims are valid and proper, but there's no representative of the, of the king to hear you. And Absalom would add, If only I were appointed judge in the land, then everyone who had a complaint or case would come to me and I would see that they received justice. Also, whenever anyone approached him to bow down before him, Absalom would reach out his hand, take hold of him, and kiss him. Absalom behaved this way towards all the Israelites 
who came to the king asking for justice, and so he stole the hearts of the people of Israel. So back to that principle of chasing after attention and affection from others. Absalom decided, I'm not going to get it from my father. I'm going to get it from the people of Israel then at his expense. Okay? And so, again, back to this walking boot. Had there been a way for them to navigate that pain, to put some structure around the relational fallout between the two of them, much of this could have been averted. But because they didn't know, they didn't know what to do, or they chose not to, we see this relational pain intensifying and drawing in more people into its drama. Um, Because, again, the hurt doesn't just affect the father and son, it affects everyone around them. And so what is the outcome? Not just for David and Absalom, but for the kingdom of Israel. We see this fracture beginning to divide not just them, but really the kingdom more broadly. The passage goes on, uh, 2 Samuel 15, verse 10. Then Absalom sent secret messengers throughout the tribes of Israel to say, as soon as you hear the sound of the trumpets, then say, Absalom is king in Hebron. 200 men from Jerusalem had accompanied Absalom. And so the conspiracy gained strength and Absalom's following kept on increasing. And so we see that distance between David and Absalom growing and growing and growing. But what about your relationship as parents and children right now? Where is that relationship at? What does that look like for you right now? Uh, what's the response that we can make, not when, but, or not if, but when we experience that growing distance, or when we experience a moment that, that divides the relationship? How do we have something to turn to that, that can help us put structure around it to help that relationship heal back up? Here's the principle, this kind of like walking boot metaphor I've been using. Here's the principle that we want for you to know and to use in your life, that relational distance isn't bridged by just being in the room together. It's bridged by owning your part and choosing to embrace. The relational distance isn't bridged by simply being in the room together. It's bridged when you choose to own your part uh, and choose embrace. This principle is derived from one of the most beautiful parables or a short story that Jesus uh, tells and is recorded in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 15. You might know it as the, the prodigal son story or parable. But really the story is a story about the love a father has for his son. And it teaches us the kind of love that God has for each and every one of us. This is really the point of the parable that Jesus is telling, this short story. Now in the story there are two brothers Uh, And the younger brother goes to the father and asks for his inheritance. In essence, uh, telling his dad, I wish you were dead and I just want your stuff. And the father obliges him. This younger son goes off and he blows it all on wild living. He's living in a pig trough, feeding pigs. They're eating better than he is. And he's like, I've lost my mind. I need to humble myself, return. Maybe my dad will take me on as a servant uh, in his household. He's definitely not going to bring me back as a son, but maybe, maybe, maybe I could be a servant in his household. And so we're going to pick up the story uh, where, that, where that takes off. Uh, I'm going to encourage you to go back and look at Luke 15 on your own. Allow this parable to speak to you. But we're going to pick up in uh, Luke 15, verse 20. But while he, the younger son, was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. 
He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he, is, uh, because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never once disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so that parable is where we derive that principle, that, that boot, if you will, that can help you bridge relational distance, not simply by being in the same room together, because that often doesn't fix anything, but by choosing to own your own part and lead with embrace. Because you see here clearly in this parable that Jesus tells, right, we can all learn to lead with grace and embrace and reestablish relationship no matter what has happened between the two of us. Any parent can pursue their children like the father in Luke 15 does. Any child can choose to return and own their part at any time. This is the hope in the story. But notice the difference between the two sons in the story. The younger son, even though he has made such a mess of things, introduced so much pain, he comes to the point where he owns his own part and relationship is restored. When we think that our relationships as parents and children are too far gone, we've missed the boat, it's too late, there is always, always hope to reestablish a relationship once again. Now, it requires the posture of the father here in the story, right, to, to actively want a relationship back again, right? To always be looking, to always be looking to embrace when the son was ready to return, right? And so, parents, right, we need to do the same. Even when we have our own pain about our hopes and wishes and dreams for our children that are going to go unfulfilled, right? Even when we have regrets as parents about the moments that we wish we could have back, those words that we wish we could unsay, the ways that we wish we were more present and could show up, we can't go back in time, but we can start today choosing embrace, no matter what has happened before this point in time. Because you, again, can be that such foundational, such important voice in the, in the life of your child to speak love and forgiveness and encouragement to them like nobody else can. But then in the parable, 
there's the unfortunately far too uncomfortably often maybe for, for many of us response that we see in the older brother, right? The older brother chooses to not own his own part for the relational distance between he and his father. No, again, the older brother chooses to opt for being right over being in relationship. The older brother chooses a self-righteousness and a self-justification rather than choosing to be in relationship with his father, having that loving, mutually honoring and encouraging relationship together. And again, it's so common in our world today. And again, social media just kind of unfortunately, more often than not, kind of pours lighter fluid on these kinds of situations, right? Because we have this kind of like cultural blender and we throw in these terms of narcissism uh, and boundaries and toxic relationships and all these things. We throw them in a blender and then our reels spit out kind of like some version of pop psychology that actually isn't helpful to you. And the result far too often is just we continue to see strained, non-existent, and damaged relationships not being restored. But I see a lot of people thinking that they're right. Here's the question. Do you want to be right or do you want to be in relationship? That's why we're in this series. That's why we're looking at these principles that God wants for us so that we can know what to do when we have hurts rather than choosing to opt for simply feeling like we're right and they're wrong. Okay? There's so many other implications from Luke 15 that we could look at uh, for parent-child relationships, but don't miss that the older brother is the one who misses out on relationship, not the younger brother. The, the younger brother restores a relationship because he owns his part and they choose embrace. And so there's the, there's the takeaway. Regardless of parents, if you're a parent or your child, own your part and lead with embrace. And whatever the distance is between you, choose to close that gap, okay? Another example, uh, the world of, in the world of MMA fighting, there's, there's a, uh, a style of fighting called Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Now, I'm not an MMA fighter. I don't watch barely any of the sport, uh, but Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu does intrigue me because it's this idea that you can be a smaller opponent. You could be facing a larger, stronger opponent, and you can still defeat them. And so I was listening to a uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu fighter talk about this very idea. And the, and the idea is that if you're facing a, a stronger, taller opponent, right, the power that that opponent has over you and their striking ability is the distance between you. Uh, you want to close that gap as quickly as possible. In essence, you want to embrace your opponent. You want to grapple them. And what that does, it takes away the power of their striking ability. Check out this video to give you just a, just a small visual example of how this might work. Left, right, close this and trap the hand, knee step, bam, down he goes. Okay, let me show you that one again. So you keep your hands up, okay, and you will close the distance, set up, trap the wrist and the neck. And he will try to erect his head maybe, and it will just stop, stab the knee and pull him over, boom, and make him fall. It's a great, very incredibly low risk takedown, pop, pop, boom. And then pull, oh, and he comes down, he comes down, but when he goes up and to the side, you step in and then pull him diagonally over your knee to make him fall, okay? Very, very low risk, high reward. Doesn't always work, obviously, so sometimes he will just, instead of falling, step out and boom, and you go for the knee, okay? So you have to drill it, okay? When he steps out, bam, you attack with the knee, boom, and you got the clint and you got whatever you wanted. Okay, 
Okay, share this as an example to give you a picture of what relationally closing the space, closing the gap, choosing to embrace what that could look like for you. Not to pin your parents to the floor in a, in a verbal altercation to claim victory, uh, right? That's not, that's not the goal. The goal is to attack the gap, the distance, and you attack that by choosing embrace, choosing to embrace. As a child, maybe you feel like your parents have power over you and you can't uh, enter into a relationship. You don't know what to say, even years later, even as an adult. Yet any of us, any of us have the power and ability to choose to own our part and then close the distance with embrace. And so you can get started. How does this boot actually work (laughs) relationally in your life? In three simple ways. You can choose embrace physically, actually with physical touch. Don't underestimate the power of this, especially if it's been years since you truly have embraced physically as a parent or a child. You can also embrace with your words, choosing to speak words that bring honor or encouragement into your relationship. And then lastly, you can choose to embrace with your time, that quantity and quality time. And for me, it's that last one that I've been challenged with, that I need to lead with embrace by creating more time, by picking up the phone, by sending more texts, by planning to be in person. Because again, I'm not going to be able to enjoy the relationship that I want if I don't take the initiative and choose to embrace and to look for that to happen. And so what about for you? How are you going to choose to own your part and then choose to embrace Because again, relational distance is not bridged by just simply being in the room together. You need to look how you can own your part and choose to embrace as a parent and child in that relationship. Any any and all of us can do that. Close the distance, take away the damage that that space is causing in your relationship because of the distance being there. Be the first one to choose embrace in the days, in the weeks, in the months ahead. Now, if you're struggling with maybe where to get started and how do I live out these principles in in my particular situation with a parent or a child, okay, reach out, message us. We would love to pray with you, walk through that, give you some encouragement on how to get started. But otherwise, we hope to have you back here next week as we continue in our series, Fight for It.